0: Generous Worship is the title, the big idea. You heard it in our singing, you heard it in uh, Pastor Aaron's prayer, God's grace results in generosity. God's grace results in generosity. One of my favorite books as a kid was uh, Les Miserables, and uh, I I read it young, and uh, I really enjoyed the story. And the main character, Jean Valjean, That's my French accent. Jean Valjean. Um, You know, I like Jean because, and I played soccer with a guy in college named Jean Baptiste from Haiti. That's not related, but I just thought of his name. Anyways, Jean Valjean is our main character, and, you know, he spent 19 years in prison for theft. And when he gets out, he's a marked man. I I mean, in this culture, in this society, if you've been in prison, I mean, life's basically over. No one's going to hire you. Things are not going to get better, and so he's on the streets, and uh, he's he's again freshly released from prison. But a bishop sees him, and takes him in, and he feeds him and cares for him. But at night, Jean Valjean wakes up in a panic, and he realizes this bishop has some valuables, and so he steals from the bishop. The bishop awakens uh, due to the noise Jean is making and he knocks him out, and he flees the scene. Well, the authorities catch up with Jean Valjean, and they bring him to the bishop, and the bishop says, oh, thank you so much for bringing him back. Jean, you forgot the candlesticks, right? What were you thinking, bud? You forgot the candlesticks. And he's just amazed. like He's expecting to go back to prison for the rest of his life. That would have been just and right, but the bishop shows him grace. And when he leaves, when the authorities leave, the bishop says something like this. Be a changed man. Live differently. And he does. He does. He ends up going to a town. Uh, He starts this lucrative business. He makes a lot of money. And he invests that money in the town. He provides jobs. He's a very generous man. He's a changed man. what changed Jean Valjean? Grace. He was shown grace, and that grace transformed him and moved him to a life of generosity. And that's what the gospel does. Amen? At the cross, we behold the grace of God in Jesus Christ, and that grace transforms us to be a giving people, to give of our time, our monies, our very lives for the glory of God and the good of others. Grace transforms, and it moves God's people to give. Well, our passage is all about worship. It's all about worship, generous worship, sacrificial worship. It's all about giving, if you are listening. I noticed three things in our passage, and these are going to be our three points. We'll take them one at a time grace, giving, and God's glory. We have the cause, we have the effect, and we have the motivation. Again, grace, giving, and God's glory begins our passage really begins and i'm going to come back to one to three at the end you'll see why but our passage begins with a command from the lord in verses four to nine let me read that section one more time verses four to nine moses said to all the congregation of the people of israel this is the thing that the lord has commanded take from among you a contribution to the lord Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And then we have the people's response in verse 22. Exodus thirty-five, twenty-two. So they came. Israel, they came. Both men and women. All who were of a willing heart. Brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets. All sorts of gold objects. Every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. Now, this is staggering. If you know the context. Compare this passage. With what we saw in Exodus 32, specifically Exodus 32, verses 2 to 4, with Exodus 35, 20 and 21, from idolatry to generosity. What in the world? From idolatry to generosity aimed at the Lord and his fame. All right, so Exodus 32, Exodus 32, 2 to 4. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. sounds kind of like what we just read. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with the graving tool and made a golden calf. Wait, 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 wait. This was not for the tabernacle. This was not for the Lord's worship. This was for idolatry. And then we read again, Exodus 35, 20 to 21, Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used, not for idolatry, but for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. What created this change in heart? What happened between Exodus 32 and Exodus 35? Giving towards idolatry, now giving towards the tabernacle in the worship of the Lord. What happened? Point number one, grace. That's the cause. Grace happened. Grace. God's grace. The Lord spares His people. The Lord promises to be with them. The Lord gives them His word again in revealing his glory to Moses, the Lord proclaims his name. And what did we learn last week about the Lord's name? Exodus 34, verse six, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And not only that, not only that, But the tabernacle itself was a visible reminder of God's grace. The the tabernacle is a major focus in our passage, Exodus 35. Remember the tabernacle, hopefully you didn't forget this. We've talked about the tabernacle quite a bit. Remember the tabernacle was the place where God would visibly rule over his people by his word. The, The tabernacle was the place of sacrifice. The place where the Lord would provide atonement for the sins of His people. The tabernacle itself told the story of the exodus, of divine rescue. It was a reminder of who God was and what He had done. What grace! What grace! (laughs) Recall the definition of God's grace that we looked at last week. The Hebrew word means that God does for His people what they do not deserve. That's grace, amen? God does for His people what they do not deserve. He goes above and beyond, extending to a rebellious people a favor that they are not worthy of. So let's ask these questions, and you can answer out loud if you would like. Did Israel deserve this incredible revelation of God's character? No. Did they deserve the Lord's presence? No. Did they deserve His provision of atonement through sacrifice? No. Did they deserve His kingly rule? Did they deserve that? Did they deserve God's Word? No. No. They deserved what? His wrath. And yet, grace. Grace. If you think about it, what we have in our passage is a simple cause and effect relationship. Here's the cause. Here's the cause. Israel beholds God's glorious grace. Israel is reminded of God's glorious grace in the tabernacle. Okay, so that's the cause, God's grace. What's the effect? Generous worship. Giving. How should we respond to God's grace toward us? Number two, giving. That's the effect. What's the cause? Grace. What's the effect? Giving. Man, the tone of our chapter is remarkable, especially in light of what has recently occurred. In the immediate context, again, this is staggering. In the immediate context, Exodus 32, we find Israel once again collecting gold, but for what purpose? It's a nefarious purpose, it's to construct an idol. Again, in one fell swoop, they reject commandments one and two. And here, in our passage, if you were listening just a few chapters later, they are found giving again, collecting again, but this time toward the worship of the Lord. This is what an encounter of God's grace leads to. Amen? That's what God's grace leads to. We, if you're a Christian, if you've trusted in Jesus, we should give. We should give. We should give of our hearts, our time, and our finances to the Lord and for the Lord. Again, this was the effect of Israel's encounter with God's grace. Giving was and is the proper expression of gratitude for God's grace. What should we do because of the gospel? We give. We give not to receive but because we've already received so much amen what is the evidence and this is not the sole evidence but what is the evidence what is a evidence that the gospel has done its work in a person's life evidence of the gospel is seen in a heart that gives is true evidence of the gospel is not seen in selfishness it's seen in a heart that gives It's seen in our generosity. We no longer see time, money, and other resources as mine. Ours. But rather, as the Lord's. Amen? To be spent for the good of others and the glory of God. The Gospel works to produce generosity in God's redeemed. I've seen it here. I've seen that fruit. Amen? I've seen it here at Kelty's. Now, it's important that we see the broader application of this. I think many in the church think, if, you know, if I just give of my finances, if I just write a check every month or every week, then I'm off the hook as it regards the giving of my time to God's church. I can just give my finances, and I'm good, right? I know some people think that way. Others think, if I just serve the church every time there's a need that I'm off the hook as it regards my finances. No. 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 The Gospel leads to generosity in every area of our lives. We we cannot compartmentalize our life and say to the Lord, you can have this, but you can't have this. No. We are His. Amen? We are His. All of us is His. All that we have is His. And it is to be spent. It is to be spent for the spread of His name and His fame. Oh, What do we see in our passage? It's really good. It's a great text, by the way. What do we see in our passage? Israel's giving. If you were listening... Israel's giving entailed both financial and material giving, right? We saw that. That's verses 5 to 9. Materials were donated. Sweet. But also skill and service. That's verses 10 to 19. Both are given. So finances, resources are given, verses 5 to 9. And time and skill was donated, verses 10 to 19. This goes back to what we saw last week, if you were here last week. God's glory transforms. God's glory transforms. God revealed His glory through His character to Israel. They beheld His glorious grace, and this grace led to transformation, to generosity, to the giving of their time, and their energy, and their money for the worship of the Lord. I love 2 Corinthians. I was talking to uh, RBC this morning, to Blake and Wesley, and uh, they told me that they're starting 2 Corinthians today. I was like, oh, it's one of my favorites. Recall 2 Corinthians 8-9. Paul writes, for you know, he's talking to believers, for you know the grace, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, keep that in mind, that though he was rich, the eternal Son of God, rich, Though he was rich, yet—everybody say yet—for yes. your sake he became poor. Why? Here's the purpose: so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Oh, what's the context there? Paul is calling for generosity on behalf of God's people—a generosity that flows out of the what? Out of the gospel. He's calling for the church to give toward the advancement of the gospel, to give towards those believers who are suffering in Jerusalem. Now, who does Paul point to when he appeals to the church to be generous? Who does he point to? He points to Christ, who is the ultimate example of generosity. Who's the ultimate example? Jesus. Christ gave this life, Christ gave it all. Christ gave his life for God's glory and the good of his people. We see this further emphasized in Hebrews twelve, two. You know it. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured. He endured the cross. We see it emphasized in Philippians two. Oh, Philippians two three to eight. Can I read it? I'm going to no matter what. So listen. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Here it is, verse 5. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours, it is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. The Greek, to be taken advantage of. But what did He do? The eternal Son of God. He emptied Himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We see it in Mark 10.45. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve And to give. He did what? He gave. He gave. That's generosity. Amen? What verb typically denotes generosity? Giving. He gave. The Son of Man came not to be served even though He deserves it. He's King. He came to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Again here, going back to 2 Corinthians 8-9, Paul calls for the church to imitate the self giving of christ namely his generosity this is what the cross this is what the gospel calls for when we lost our daughter in washington man i didn't know what we were going to do there was an extended stay in the hospital haley had to give birth to our stillborn daughter and we had a funeral all that cost money and unbeknownst to us the church there gathered all the funds And they called me and said, Chris, you don't have to worry about anything. We've taken care of everything. Oh my goodness, man. Are you kidding me? I mean, that floored us. That allowed us to grieve and not think about all these other things. Why were they so generous? Why why would God's people do that? Because they have been transformed by the grace of God and God's grace leads to generosity, to giving. Amen? Oh, and to be on the receiving end of that? Praise God. Praise God. We had never experienced that kind of generosity from God's people. But why did they do it? Because they've been transformed by God's grace. Why do we give? What does this look like? What's the motivation? We've looked at what? The cause, God's grace. We've looked at the effect, giving. What's the motivation? Number three, God's glory. God's glory. What do we notice now? You can't miss this. What do we notice about Israel's giving? It was directed toward the worship of the Lord. It was for the construction of the tabernacle. Who was at the center of the tabernacle? The Lord. It's all about Him and His glory. Amen? And that's what they're giving towards. That was the motivation. God's glory is the proper motivation for our giving. We give, I'm talking about Christians, we give financially as a church to support the ministry of the church, its ministers, and missions, both local and global. The purpose of this, think about why do we give? I hope you can answer that question. Well, the Lord tells us to. That's a great reason, by the way. If that's all you have, praise God. But why else do we give? The purpose of this, of giving, is to see the gospel go forward and the fame of Christ spread abroad. Amen? We give to see God glorified more and more because more disciples equals more worship. Is true? I mean, that makes sense to me. More disciples equals more worship, which means more glory to who? More glory to God. Okay, so that's the financial piece, why we give financial. Why do we give of our time? Because God gets both, amen? We can't say, oh Lord, I'm sorry, no, my money, you can have that, but I'm just so busy, you can't have my time. No, we're all His. We've been purchased. We give of our time to serve others in the church, to see those others formed more and more into the image of Christ. And listen, here's the kicker. The more God's people resemble Christ, the more glory Christ receives. Amen? That's why we give. It's His glory. That's why we give of our time. More service means more glory to God. Furthermore, think about this. this is so. I got this from JP, John Piper, years ago. It makes sense to me. It's biblical. When we spend our lives for Christ... It reveals the supreme value we've placed on Jesus in the Gospel. The spread of His fame is worth the spending of our lives. Amen? The spread of His fame is worth the spending of our lives. When this is applied, when this principle is applied, it reveals the matchless worth of Christ in the lives of His people. I'll give my time. I'll give my money, I'll give my energy, I'll give my life because he's worthy. And the world says, wow, okay, I've never seen that before. I've never heard of such a thing. Again, more glory to God. What else do we notice in Israel's giving? This is really important. It was willing. Did you catch that? It wasn't done begrudgingly. It wasn't natural. Our our giving is not natural, by the way but it flowed from a heart that was stirred by the Lord. Where do we see this in the New Testament? These are some great passages, by the way. Where do we see this in the New Testament? Namely, this radical result of generosity from an encounter with God's grace in the gospel. Where do we see that in the New Testament? Acts 2. Acts 2, 44 and 45. All who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Wow! What radical generosity! Why? Because of the Gospel. Because they'd encountered God's grace in the cross, and it led to radical generosity. Philippians 4, 14-16, Paul says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Why this radical generosity? Because the church in Philippi had encountered the grace of God in the cross. Amen? Oh, Luke. Luke 19. It's about a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. Who am I talking about? Zacchaeus. Verses 8 and 9. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. This is a wealthy dude, right? He cheated and stole. He'd amassed a great wealth. But because of his saving encounter with Christ, what does he say? Half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone... Of anything, I restore it fourfold. What? Radical generosity as a result of God's grace in the gospel. What did Jesus say? This is so good. Today, salvation has come to this home since he also is a son of Abraham. Last one. Second Corinthians 8, 1-5. Paul. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. There it is. What are we talking about this morning? What's the cause of our giving? Grace. Say it with me. Grace. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. Radical generosity of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. This is what the gospel does. When we behold the glorious grace of God in the face of Jesus Christ, we are transformed to live like Christ, to be generous with our lives for the spread of God's fame. Amen? Now, I want to end our time by coming back to those first three verses. Because I told you I would. You're like, you skip verses 1, 2, and 3, bro. I'm going to come back. I said I would. And I want you to see how this fits so well with the context. This is going to be a game changer, I promise. So, Exodus 35, 1-3. It's a short but important passage on Sabbath regulations. Alright? So let's read it, and I'm going to show us why it's here. Exodus 35, 1-3. to Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days' work shall be done, but on the seventh day, you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Stop. Which is funny because that's what Sabbath means. Stoppage. Literally, the Hebrew means stoppage. Why does this passage, those three verses, fall between the revelation of God's glory, Exodus 34, and the generosity of God's people, verses 4 to 29? Why does it fall between the revelation of God's glory and the generosity of God's people? That's the question we have to answer. It's because of what the Sabbath signified. It was a call to, what's the word mean? To stop and do what? Worship. 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 It was a call to stop and worship, to praise God as both Creator and Savior. This is the proper response to God's glory. And this is where our generosity comes from. It flows out of our worship. Amen? It's part of our worship. Worship is our appropriate response to God's grace And this is seen in our generosity. The giving of our time and finances, our very selves, our very selves, for the spread of God's fame and the good of others. Let me leave us with three practice steps, and then I want to end with the Gospel. So three application steps or practice steps, and then we'll close with the Gospel. Number one, find out where you can serve. If you're a member of this church, if you call this home if you can look around and say these are my brothers and sisters in Christ I'm committed to this body what should you be doing what should you long to do what should you find joy in doing serving serving God's people with your time your energy and your effort so find out where you can serve does your calendar have a hold on you or do you have a hold on your calendar Give of your time to see the body of Christ at Kelty's First Baptist Church grow. Spend time discipling fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Spend time serving in ministry. Spend time using the gifts the Lord has given you to encourage and edify fellow believers here. Amen? Can we say amen to that? Steward your time for the kingdom of God. Number two, give faithfully to the church. Do your finances have a hold on you, or do you have a hold on your finances? Steward your money for the kingdom of God. Determined to give more. Determined to give more. What's the motivation for our giving? The what? It's point number three. You have three points. Come on, guys. The glory of God. And number three, and this is more holistic. This is just your whole life. This is... This is Galatians 2.20, which I'll quote here in a minute. But number three, resolve. This sounds like Jonathan Edwards. (laughs) Resolve to, you know, know, anyways, if you've ever read Edwards, uh, he had several, like, commitments, life commitments that he wrote down. And this sounds like Edwards. Resolve to spend your life for the glory of God and the good of his people. Right? I mean, resolve to do that, to spend your life for the glory of God and the good of His people. And that will be seen in a life of radical generosity. I'm going to give my money, I'm going to give my time, I'm going to give my energy to God's church and for God's glory and the good of His people and the spread of His fame. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, what does he say? I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and what? Gave himself. There we see the radical generosity of Christ. He gave himself for me. Was I promised, let's end with the gospel. The gospel, what's one word that comes to mind when you hear gospel? You may say news, love. I'm going to say giving. The gospel is all about giving. What we see in the gospel is the generosity of God. The Father gives his what? The Father gives His Son. The Son gives His life. And the Father and the Son give the Holy Spirit. Whoa! That is radical generosity. It is a generosity that transforms. Amen? Are you kidding me? The Father gives His Son, His only Son, His unique, one-of-a-kind Son. We're going to see that in John's Gospel very soon. His monogamous Son. And the Son gives His life? For sinners like us? And then, after the Son is raised and ascends to the right hand of the Father, the Father and the Son give the Spirit. The Gospel is all about radical generosity. All so that we sinners can be rescued and reconciled to God. The Father gave the Son. The Son gave His life. The Father and the Son give the Spirit all so that we sinners can be rescued and reconciled to God. Those who have trusted, look at me, those who have trusted in Jesus, the generous Savior, are moved. We are moved by the generosity of God in the gospel that we just heard to be generous toward God and toward others. Amen? Giving. Giving is the proper response to God's grace in this for the glory of God. As David Murray writes, be moved, he says. It's like a command. Be moved by the generosity of God to give generously to God and for His glory. It's a great quote. Be moved by the generosity of God to give generously to God and for His glory. Let's pray. Father, You are a generous God. And we know that because of the cross. Father, You gave Your Son for us. What grace! We don't deserve the Son. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of your glory. All of us deserve eternal death, eternal separation, hell. But your grace, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. We thank you for your radical grace, a radical grace that leads to radical generosity, a life of giving. I pray that Celtis would be a church known for its radical generosity, that we would give of our finances and our time, our resources and gifts, everything you've given us, that we would give it back for your glory, the good of your church, and the spread of your fame, because, Jesus, you are worthy. And we ask these things and pray these things in your name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen.